Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The U.S. Men's National Team headed into a World Cup qualifier on Sunday with a ton on the line against Canada. It was an opportunity to solidify the U.S. as the kings of CONCACAF, an opportunity to go to the top of World Cup qualifying table, to keep the dreams of a nine-point window alive, and to potentially even qualify for the World Cup in this window. Unfortunately, none of that happened. The U.S. lost to Canada in the process, lost that title of the kings of CONCACAF, and really ushered in the arrival of Canada as the dominant force and CONCACAF to make matters worse. A couple of players got injured. There were some players that had some poor performances and I think the whole fan base is questioning Coach Greg Berhalter at the moment. Uh, there's a lot bad at, at right now and I've brought in Max Bredos, a man who, who's been around uh, the U.S. soccer world and soccer in general for a really long time. He is the soccer OG and I'll, I'll apologize off top, Max. Whenever I invited you to come on a few days ago, I thought it was going to be a celebration. It turns out I've brought you to a funeral. Uh, so, first of all, how are you feeling today, uh, the day after, as we kind of reflect on on a pretty miserable afternoon up there in Canada? It's good to have other folks that are uh, in the same boat, Sam. So I, I appreciate that. We should all hold on to each other, give each other strength. And that was uh, obviously a very difficult watch. But I always uh, I, I go back to four years ago and uh, the Taylor Twelman the Taylor Twellman rant after it, I was in the studio interviewing him and I remember oh, yeah. watching I remember watching it all unravel. And that, you know, is we like to think it's rock bottom. And sometimes you hit uh, rock bottom, you need to, so you can rise up. And we it was never going to be a smooth ride. We have a lot more to be happy about than not be. I think the uh, I know that the element of uh Canada in this situation and their emergence is you know something that no one would have expected or or been able to foresee and it's it's part of it it certainly is what they've been able to do with the talent with the coaching with the style a lot of things that the u.s should would want to uh, uh mirror if they could but there's a lot at play so i don't get too low on this the u.s is going to qualify for the world cup and uh when they're there i think they'll make some noise it's still it's still a process with a very young team uh, there's a lot. This is a, a Canadian team that uh, it's hard not to pull for them, right? You see it. And the fact that it's Canada and you see the cheering, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a kick in the shin. But when you see what they have been able to do, and I will talk about it a little bit more, but their six, we're connected to their success, just like we're connected to Mexican success. We need good partners in the region, and it would appear after Sunday afternoon that we have one. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying rings true. I, I think coming into World Cup qualifiers, I knew that there was going to be uh, that there was going to be roadblocks that we were going to get embarrassed at some point because it's World Cup qualifiers and that's just how it goes. Uh, I was expecting it to be Mexico. Honestly, I thought that Mexico would would punch us in the mouth at home, uh, but but the U.S. managed to handle that one pretty well. But this Canada team uh, has been an issue for us all along. And and like you said, I, in 
in a vacuum, I'm really excited for Canada. I think it's a uh, tremendous, uh, not only for just the region, but it's so cool to, to, to have soccer growing in that country like that. Um, it'll be so cool to see Canada at the world cup as they've pretty much qualified at this point, not mathematically, but they're pretty much there. Uh, a lot of things to be happy for in the North American soccer community. Uh, that's true. But I think, uh, in the microscope right now today, uh, it, it there's, Oh, there, there's a lot to be <laughs> upset about, man. And uh, I, I think it's time. But before we talk about, you know, the, the positives, because there are some positives in there. But but let's let's talk about what went wrong yesterday. And there's there's a lot of folks pointing out a lot of different things that went wrong uh, from the tactics of the coach to some of the performance of the players. Uh, what what in your mind went wrong in that game yesterday? And now a word from today's sponsor. Bet online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. Bet BetOnline remains the number one spot for all betting action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, and of course soccer, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Just a, a quick wrap up on Canada, and I, I spoke to Christian Jack, and I'll get to you to answer your question. He made a great point. The fact in this world where we can't get games for the U.S. and games matter, where you can play European or South American teams, getting a, a road game at Canada is just gold it's it's unexpected and now we know that you get two good games into that cycle which will help this team grow in a pinch you can schedule canada for a game that's all good because they have a talent level now that will probably be somewhere in the 30s of a fifa ranking which is unbelievable for what they've been able to do and so there is a there's some good parts about that as to what went wrong there's i think we start with the tactics and it's a tough job for greg berhalter and he's gotten a lot right. And I think tactically, it's not so much that he's gotten it wrong, but he's used a group of players in a system which it's just the pieces haven't fallen into place. It's, if it's a jigsaw puzzle, which is a very dated reference because no one does jigsaw puzzles anymore. <laughs> I, I'm old and I've never done a jigsaw puzzle. So you're going to get attacked I, in the comments section by the <laughs> jigsaw lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I do, but I look and I go, I just don't have time for this. I'm sorry. So, uh, But it, it, in, in essence, you get that jigsaw puzzle and you get that last piece. The jigsaw pieces don't work in there. We are really it's, – it's a dilemma because – you want an experienced group of players that uh, have been there. And we've, we've talked about getting uh, the best players in there. And I think Greg Berhalter has done that. He has ushered out the Sebastian Legette, the, the Christian Roldan. Although they make the squad, they're not going to feature. And they won't be there for the World Cup. He's I don't think Legette on- dressed for either game did so not far dress. in this window. So, I mean, we, we, we do get up in, in, in arms for that. But I, he is genuinely trying to move towards the talented group that – by and large, reside in Europe. So when you lean into that, it's a tough job because he doesn't have that experienced group he can lean into. You know, we thought about 2018, who would come back? Was it Josie or Michael Bradley? None of those guys got a sniff. And then after that, in large part because we didn't qualify for a World Cup, because we didn't qualify for Olympics, we kind of missed that generation where they would be able to 
kind of lead by example. There are a few outliers. Maybe Jordan Morris would be a guy who I thought played well when he's come in, but his career has been littered by injuries. So he has to go to this young group that he, he has to make fit in a right way. I think he's brought them, many of them along the right path. Chris Richards is a great example. I hope he's okay. I don't think any news is broken about the foot, but to see him become an, a borderline player to a, a bit player to a featured player to, in my estimation, maybe the most important defender we have moving forward. He's getting some of those guys in those positions, but as the system works, and I think many folks have mirrored these comments, it's, it's very fullback oriented and we have great fullbacks getting up. The big thing that works that, that uh, the, the, the biggest concern for the U.S. coming out of that game is getting those wide spots and doing nothing with it. To see ball after ball after ball go straight into the hands of Milan Borjan was or beyond to the stands. Yeah. Or into the stands. That is the big part with the tactics, I think, of Greg Berhalter. And he has to – I don't think he's going to make an alteration, but I think he does because now with that group of players that we need to play because they are our best – We've got to put them in their best positions. I don't think Greg has done that. I don't think it's a situation where you throw the book at him because every coach will have a style, but eventually there has to be an adjustment period. And that takes me to point B, and I know we'll talk about Christian Pulisic. We have to play him. He is our best player as it stands. Now, Weston McKinney's closing the gap, but Weston McKinney isn't the guy who's going to get the, the attack started. He isn't the guy who's going to take set pieces we have not put Christian Pulisic in a position to succeed. Part of that, I blame Chelsea because they've kind of put him in a little bit of a loopy situation with regards to where he plays, what he does. He addressed the media, and you could see he was affected by it. I think he said, I like to be versatile, but I don't want to uh, – I want to play the position I want to. You've got to find a place where he's effective. So in the in the short term – because, hey, we haven't scored a goal in these last two games, and we haven't looked good on set pieces. We haven't looked good at set pieces at all in months that we we need to find a place to succeed, in particular that front three. Because I think we all agree the midfield is good. We don't give up a lot of goals. What happens with that front three? How do we service them better? Yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> I want to get to Christian Pulisic for sure. I think that deserves its own conversation. I'll, I'll start with, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. First of all, the strength of this team is going to be the midfield. And it's one of the things I'm seeing a lot. People saying, you know, if you can't break down a low block block, how do you expect to beat like a Brazil or something like that? And the reality is Brazil's not going to come at us in a low block. You know, Brazil would possess the ball and possessing the ball placed more to our strength, which is dribbling through that midfield, having that midfield win the ball and be able to run directly at, at an attack that's disorganized. We didn't see that against Canada. They never put themselves in that position. Uh, they stayed organized the whole time, and uh, they had some ferocious counterattacks, and they're this unique team that uh, has the... They have the the personnel available that will be disciplined and will be willing to sit back and defend. But whenever they choose to counter, much like those U.S. teams uh, from years back with guys like Donovan and Dempsey, uh, whenever they choose to counter, they have personnel that can counter uh, with some of the best counterattackers in the world. I mean, the the. Tejon Buchanan, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies. I mean, he didn't feature last night, but he definitely featured in the home leg game. Uh, These are phenomenal attackers, and the way that they're playing right now is is tremendous. Now, what we saw last night is 
boy, we were real slow. We were real slow in that transition. We were real slow. Anytime we wanted to move the ball from one flank to another, it required four passes. Every, every center back had to touch the ball. We didn't see a lot of, uh, we didn't see a lot of big switches or anything like that. And whenever we did make a play, it seemed like a, one player put a foot on the ball and kind of waited for Canada to get all set up. And once Canada all got set up, it was like, all right, now we attack. And that's frustrating. And that's, that's something that we seen, uh, Great point. Through the Bur- Burhalter era uh, throughout. And, you know, I, I always I always want to be fair and, and I always wonder where the line is in soccer because soccer's soccer's a, a very fluid game. And, and the, the question about is it on the coach? Is it on the tactics? Is it on the players? That's always kind of nebulous and it's always kind of up for discussion. And, and generally, whenever you talk to uh, players, like whenever I talk to Alexi Lalas or whenever you, Christian Pulisic did an interview before the, uh, the these World Cup qualifiers, generally players will 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 say it's not really the tactics it's not it's not the coach it's none of that it's how the players are, are playing on the field with each other it's the um it, it's about what you do with the ball and you see that play out a lot how many goals are uh scored because of a moment of brilliance from a player not so much from from the tactics uh how many goals are scored because of a mistake like we like we did in this game and, and, and an opponent is able to capitalize but at the same time, the tactics are important. It's, a, it's an important factor of the game. There's no getting around that. And there's no getting around that right now we're very slow. We look very deliberate. Uh, I read Matt Doyle's piece before coming on here, and he said uh, something to the effect of Greg is an ideologue. And it seems like players are putting system right now uh, ahead of moving the ball forward. Uh, and that's disappointing because, like you said, we got these guys like Brendan Aronson, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa. These are guys that want to get the ball forward. And right now, uh, especially against Canada, I think Canada shows this better than any other team in the region. There's moments where we have numbers, we have opportunities to to – uh, to attack, uh, but players are putting their foot on the ball and kind of getting in position. And, uh, it's disappointing. It's, it's, um, that's the thing that for me right now is like the tough pill to swallow, because I know there's a lot of people calling for Greg's head. Greg should be fired. We need to get rid of Greg. We're not getting rid of Greg. It's not happening. Barring some type of crazy off field issue or some type of mutiny or something like that. Greg's Greg's our guy through this world cup cycle. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but to me, at least, it looks like some of these realities, some of these this slow play is just going to be a part of the U.S. through this cycle. And it's something that we got to f- just it's just going to be that's just the way it is. It, it was very frustrating. And, and Sam, you know, what was crazy is that I turn on the Mexico game and they're doing the same thing. It is molasses. It's so slow. Every And I mean, what happened here? So uh, I crossed the board in CONCACAF and Canada's licking their chops and soaking it in because. Going back to what they've been able to do, and a lot of folks are going nine points. I didn't even hear seven points. They feel like, go get the nine points. It's the easiest window. And I thought that was very disrespectful to Canada. Whether it is or not, USA should be able to get that result. But because of what we have shown them and how, in many ways, it's pretty obvious what we're going to do. And the USA got pretty lucky with giving up a goal in the sixth minute. Because for five minutes on that cold surface, I thought they were going at pace. And then the goal happened. And then Canada could come out a little differently. Those things happen. Those things happen. There's no doubt about it. And I know Greg afterwards talked about domination, which was a very poor choice of words because you can't say that even if you truly believe it after what happened with this team. They had some really good moments in combinations. It broke down a little bit too often, but domination was not a word that should ever come up. Canada feels like they 
they got the goal and they it happened off a, an odd clearance from Matt Turner, this immediate counterattack. And then he should have done better on the Kyle Lahren shot as well. That happens and it changes it. And then the trap can go into place. And the U.S. kind of went right into that. The, the thing with Canada, more so than any other team in this region, in this qualifying process, is their consistency and how they go about it. You've got to take that into consideration. You've got to know how they are going to play you. And I thought the U.S. actually did an, did an okay job not giving up the, the gangbuster counterattack until the very end. A couple, you know, It could have gotten a little hairy. There was a couple more episodes and, where and the U.S. And we had sold out at that point, to be yeah, fair. Of course. I mean. Of course. And so it's it, – it, it, when, when the postscript of this game happens, you look at it, and I don't feel all that surprised that that was the end result. The, the United States uh, just have to find a way to break down this a little bit better. But it didn't really feel there was enough good chances. And when you, we leaned so much into the West and McKinney, and it goes back to the set pieces. And remember, Christian Pulisic is way down the pecking order of taking set pieces at Chelsea. Uh, it's Alonzo, or maybe it's Mason Mount, or someone else. And he's taking everything. But who is our plan B? And that's a sign of a system that needs some repair. Who can take these 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 set pieces that can make them a little effective? He had a good corner kick on that Weston McKinney chance, but other than that, that is it, it, it's not happening. So adjustments on, adjustments on the fly for the U.S., which we don't see. You can't dig your heels in and uh, and assume it's going to work. I'm with you, Greg Berhalter. We've got to support him. I think he's done a lot of things right. Uh, there are we have the I think the two that really illuminate is the situation with the Panama road game and the massive changes and the, the adjustment here as well into the Canada game, not being able to uncrack it because I, I would say falling down in the sixth minute is, is could be a death sentence for a team. However, when a team scores that early, you have 84 minutes to dig out and yet Canada was robust and weren't, weren't able to concede. And like you, like you said, balls going out, Ball's going right to the keeper. Even the Weston McKinney shot went straight to Milan Borjan. I'll give him all the credit, but got to find a way. The uh, What was the shot? Was it Brendan Aronson went straight Brendan to Borjan? Brendan Aronson had a shot, yeah. It could have gone. These are the little things that make a huge difference. Uh, I just, just in, in wrapping it up, I, to say we're going to have nine points was folly. This Canadian team deserves that respect. Right? We should have had seven points. We should have been able to tie that game 1-1. It comes down to a good opportunity, and we didn't seize it. Yeah, and I, I think the the flip side, kind of what you're talking about with Greg Berhalter is here is that one thing about Greg Berhalter is that he keeps us in every game. I mean, throughout his tenure and certainly throughout the last, throughout 2020 and into this year, I mean, the U.S. hasn't given up goals. The U.S. has given up hardly any goals. Uh, so every single game has been... Uh, Hard fought. If we're losing a game, it's it's we're losing by a goal or a situation like last night where you know it was kind of uh, the, the U.S. put everything forward to try to get a point back, and you know it, it, that was a situation. But he's definitely been defensively sound. It's just been just been figuring out ways to score, and and one of the ways that uh, a lot of us were hoping we we're going to score is is by leaning on some of these stars that we have, some of these superstars. One of them being Christian Pulisic, and you know coming into this window, Christian Pulisic has been kind of in and out of the lineup for Chelsea. There's rumors about him uh, being unhappy over there that that largely seem to be confirmed based on the answers that he gave in a lot of these press conferences uh 
we're, we were hoping to see a reignited Christian Pulisic on the field, and we haven't seen that against El Salvador and certainly not against Canada. And there's, I wrote down the name Alistair Johnson because there's two moments in this game where Christian Pulisic has a one-on-one against Alistair Johnson. And I can remember so many times Christian Pulisic at Dortmund or Christian Pulisic at Chelsea, just the Christian Pulisic that that put uh, Sergio Ramos and skates in the, in the Champions League semifinal, the Christian Pulisic that ran through the Liverpool back line, the Christian Pulisic that outran the Manchester City back line. Yeah, like I say, the Christian he said he was the best winger he's ever seen after the, that game. A player that is so dynamic, so agile, so just can get by players without even a thought was unable to to round Alistair Johnson and, and be able to put anything together. It, it, which it's it, that's another thing that is just like hurting me so bad is this realization that Christian Pulisic is just at this moment in time. Maybe it's a form thing, but he's certainly not been the star uh, in this window that we were hoping he would be. No, and that brings up a a, a real big predicament about this Honduras game because we need to get him confidence because he may he clearly is not getting it at his club team. And there's a lot of unhappiness there. And I, this is, this is not a, a criticism on Chelsea. They pay his wages. They need to win and they are winning. They are the champions of Europe. So however they use Christian Pulisic is the right way for Chelsea. It's up to Pulisic. If he's unhappy to voice that and find an alternative if possible, he's in a really Tough situation because of the wages and everything that goes into that. And it's Chelsea for crying out loud. I mean, who says they're going to just get up and and go? I'm sure it's not as bad as sometimes it is portrayed when you we look at etched on his face. But <laughs> that's part of it. He's a player lacking confidence. Every sport you have this. Uh, Baseball is the one sport that it, I see it the most where you have a pitcher who keeps getting hit or a guy who can't get out of a funk and he's striking out. But you say you get him out there and you get him more reps. So this 11 for Honduras, I hope Christian Pulisic is in it. It's uh, I, there were some moments where he, I mean, the Alistair Johnson's a great example, but there were some moments where he saw him starting to get out of the malaise that we saw against El Salvador, where it, nothing went right so much so that he was pulled at the hour mark by Greg Berhalter. And a lot of discussion, a lot of discussion saying good for Greg Berhalter for having the courage of identifying that, but also the flips. And look, this is, this is the where you can't win it. You can't win at all. Also keep him out there so he could find a way out because he's an elite player. I kind of agree with both sides, but there you have it. I think Greg Berhalter is going to continue to see if he can push it, but there's a lot on his mind. There's a lot on his plate. There's no doubt about it, but games and playing the worst team in the region at this point by far and getting fat on Honduras could help that process. So we wait for the injuries uh, in the midfield and defense. We know there's a couple of hamstring concerns and obviously the one with Tyler Adams, because as you pointed out, midfield and defense, I, I think we're, we're pretty good. We can hang our hat on the way they play. We're not going to uh, get blown out. But some folks were going, Canada's going to kill us three, nothing. And I would say no, we're not because we don't give up goals and they don't. No. And they did it in that game. As we said, the throwaway of the second one, we can't really look at that was the 95th minute. Midfield, Tyler Adam hasn't been great, but he will Tyler be missed. Adams probably won't be won't be yeah. healthy or available for this game. So, so yeah, they'll make an adjustment there, but still two strong lines. It's got to be Christian Pulisic and where he plays, playing, beating some guys, just hitting a nice ball where he says, okay, I feel better. I, yeah, I, I I haven't been I'm not an athlete at that level. I don't know how it works, but I get the feeling if good things happen in every sport, it starts to snowball. So yeah, we I saw hope- that in Norwich with Josh Sargent recently. Yeah, 
He and found look, the gold, Sargent, and then all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> he's a hero. He's a hero with that. And we can see how delicate this whole situation with these men's national team players. They are kids. They have to work it out. Christian is still a kid for all intents and purposes, although he's an age where he has to deliver. But we're putting a lot on his shoulders. We're like, save us. You're the guy. Lead us the way. So he's not only has to perform, but he has to be that leader. And he's not really been that guy in this cycle by and large. But we're we gotta stick, we gotta stay on that wagon with him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Chelsea situation because man, I just the the way that I view coaches is is that it is very cyclical that these guys kind of come in and out of being great, man. And it, and it largely has to do with the health of their players and what their players are able to do. You look at Thomas Tuchel where uh, he was a great coach at PSG, but he gets kind of run out because uh, they can't win the Champions League final and there's political issues and he doesn't like it over there. He comes to Chelsea and immediately turns Chelsea around uh, from where Frank Lampard had him, leads them on the Champions League run. He's the greatest coach in the world. And then this season, uh, Chelsea has not been able to find the goals. Largely under Tuchel, they hadn't been finding the goals. It's been very similar to Greg Berhalter in that they play great defense. They don't give up anything, uh, but finding anything happening in the final third has been an issue for Chelsea and certainly been an issue for this year. All the attackers want out. Lukaku's upset Everyone, in the media. Everyone's unhappy. You know, All everybody's the unhappy. Hakeem Ziyech scores a goal and he doesn't celebrate it. I'm like, does he? did he used to play for the other team? No, he's just unhappy. And who knows about it's, Timo Werner? It's Everyone's amazing unhappy. how quickly you go from being the best manager in the world or one of them to having your whole team hate you. It's just, it's just the sport. <laughs> it's part of it. Now, you mentioned the Honduras game that's coming up. This is... I mean, this is incredibly important. Uh, as we know, it, the U.S. has to win their their two remaining home games against Honduras and against Panama. Uh, they just have to. Uh, the next one is is the most important because Honduras is the last uh, team in, in qualifying right now. I think that they've been mathematically eliminated at this point. Uh, they're going to be coming into this game. Uh, this is this is why we set things up in this cold weather game like we did because Honduras is coming from uh, from Central America and now they're having to fly up to. Uh, uh, to to Minnesota in this absolutely freezing temperature game that is just I, I don't know what we're doing with these conditions but here we are uh, so the U.S. has to get a victory right now uh, I I don't know what morale is in the locker room I know in the fan base it's at an all time low but but you mentioned Christian Pulisic has to start what what else do we need to see in order for uh, the U.S. to get a win against Honduras on Wednesday night Well you mentioned the cold and I rolled my eyes when people were talking about the cold and Columbus, it, it was cold. I mean, this wasn't Arctic chill by any means. It was in the thirties. It's cold. We saw some guys kind of take their gloves off, suggesting that it wasn't as bad. Canada could have been worse. Thankfully it was in the middle of the day. So uh, the conditions didn't really play a role, whether they do or do not the U S if they don't score goals against Honduras, everyone who complained about these conditions in these games playing the cold weather has all the ammunition they have to throw at U S soccer. Because they said specifically, it's going to prevent an offense from getting its goals. It kind of equalizes the the playing conditions for both. Even though you're more talented with Honduras, you want perfect ideal conditions against Honduras, which will, you know, this is all pie. This is all uh, just conjecturing when you talk about what could have been. It's uh, it's what people will say about cold conditions. That said, two cold games, one goal. So if we're watching this Honduras game and they have a goal or God forbid they don't have any goals. Then you can start talking to us soccer, not just about playing in, 
in cities that aren't diversified with our fan base, which is a great fan base of every creed and color and race. That's what's beautiful about our country and uh, the rainbow of nationalities that we have here in the United States that support this team and we have to cater to them. Put that one aside. If if they're not hitting the ball, balls are falling short because of the weather. It hurts when it hits your foot. Then that's a big issue. And they have to really look at it. But that would be a big screw up if they walk out of Honduras with one or no goals. I, I was one of those folks that said, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. But clearly, it's an issue up till now. We'll see what the Honduras game. This will be the telling. This will be the telling issue because really it is a, a game where the U.S. should get fat on Honduras because everyone else is home and away. Everyone's doing that. When you talk about what the team will look like, uh, having Tim Weah, and I don't want to put so much pressure on him, but it's a relief to see him probably coming back. Uh, it was a COVID situation, didn't allow to Canada, which was initially something that was said about the U.S. team. Everyone was, I believe everyone was okay with the the COVID protocols, et cetera, but it turned out it wasn't. Uh, Canada's very strict, and that was one player that wasn't able to travel. But having Tim Weah back, Ricardo Pepe, he, he would cause a lot of problems if he doesn't start Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe came into the game in a small sample size, didn't do much, but we have to give him a bigger sample size because his confidence is waning because he hasn't scored since for anyone, I think, since October. Uh, but I, I, I think Pulisic, Pepe, Weah would be the way to go. No Tyler Adams. It seems like Kellen Acosta's the um, the logical replacement. And you keep it pretty close to the guys you have coming in. Hopefully Walker Zimmerman's had a hamstring issue. Kim and Richards were great in that first game. I'd love to see that partnership again. Miles Robinson looked like a guy who hadn't played in a long time, had a rough one. You don't want to isolate him. You want him to play at some role. But those three center backs platooning have been good. And then fullbacks, it, probably the same guys. But to, to me, that's near the top of the list of disappointments. They play well. Anthony Jedi Robinson, excuse me, got the goal. <laughs> but we, I've been saying this for a while. These crosses have to get through because that's where the balls are coming in. If it's Reggie Cannon, if it's DeAndre Yedlin, if it's being a fullback and, and and tucking in to allow someone else to cross the ball, whatever it is, we got to see some crosses, especially if Ricardo Pepe, who's a good aerial threat, can get on the end of those. Uh, Jordan Morris, I thought he was good in the, uh, the moments he played. He's aggressive. He gets after it. He gives you a little experience in those situations for a guy who's played in some significant games. There's good options, but goals have to come. And even if you give up one to Honduras, I want to see three goals in this game. So we don't talk about the cold weather because if you don't see three or two goals, we're going to talk about the cold weather. Yeah, the reality is whatever squad the U.S. puts on the field from what Greg has available is going to be better than what Honduras can put on the field. The U.S. just has talent superiority no matter how you slice it. Uh, we and, and, of course, we have these top-flight talents, these European talents that are playing at the best clubs in the world. And, man, do we need a get-right game. We need that more than anything. Uh, on Chris Richards, I did see that uh, he he has an ankle sprain and he'll be out for, like, yeah. three to five weeks or something like that. So uh, Thanks. he, he probably won't morning, be available. Yeah, so Zimmerman, yeah. Robinson... Would be it. And look, this is going to fall back in Greg Berhalter's face, too. If he has to go deeper in the center back role and he doesn't have the center backs because it's the Mark McKenzie, that's going to open him up to criticism and rightfully so. Yeah. We we need some early goals, man. We need an early goal and we need to, we need a, a, a big score line. 
Oof, we need to get right. Now, assuming the U.S. takes care of business uh, Wednesday night in Honduras, you need to stop laughing at me. <laughs> no, I'm just smiling because how emotionally affected you have been. I feel like I got to start getting a little more, the emotions running here a little bit more. I go, Sam is... That that's the embodiment of the American soccer fan. I feel a little turn oh. in the page. That's Man. why it's all in love, Sam. <laughs> I did a, a live stream after the game on Sunday, and that was just painful. That that was painful. I kept uh, I, I kept conflating um, Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies' name. I kept saying Jonathan Davies. I just I anyway. Okay. Well, hey, Brain. hey, listen, I don't the greatest announcer in America, Andres Cantor, was calling Jonathan David Jonathan Davis a couple times if it makes you feel better. And heaven knows <laughs> yeah, I've done that myself too. I, I was listening to uh, I, I rewatched the game this morning on Paramount Plus and and the the feed that I got was I guess the world announcer, I don't know. It was a uh it was a Hispanic announcer and he was pronouncing uh Larea's name. How did he call him? Oh Larea. I heard I saw that on Twitter. Larea. Made it yeah, sound like he's from that. Louisiana, like me, man. <laughs> like he was French. Is that where I you're like from? That a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Louisiana. Fantastic. <laughs> By the way, uh, hats off to the, the the Southeast United States, which is developing good players, specifically Alabama. But the great Louisiana player is going to come. The great Kentucky player, the great Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia players are going to come. We've had some good Georgia ones as well. So it, it's good to see that part of the country as involved in the buildup of our national team and in all things soccer and certainly with MLS with so many clubs now uh, popping up in that part of the world. So how I went to Florida state I'm from Miami, which is the Southeast, but doesn't really consider no, itself Florida's the had good representation for a yes. while on the national team. Yeah. We're in this together. Yeah, the deep South, the deep now, South. Cameron Carter Vickers dad actually played basketball for LSU. So I've always claimed Cameron Carter Vickers as a Cajun, like he's honorary. He's, he's Louisiana. 100%. One hundred percent. You grab anyway, on what you can. Uh, the I think the the respite here for the U.S. men's national team. The the good thing is that uh, no matter what happens, we only got one more game in this window. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get right against Honduras. But then we can lick our wounds and. We've got a few months before the next window. Uh, the next window is going to be very important uh, with some big games. That that home game to Panama is going to be very, very important. But it, you also have a game against Mexico and a game against Costa Rica uh, that, that are going to be important for the U.S. But I think more important, bigger picture, is that we could potentially be getting back Gio Reyna, which is a player that played in the first game against El Salvador, but uh, hasn't featured for the U.S. for or hasn't featured for club or country ever since, uh, since picking up an injury in that game. Uh what, what, there's also some players that we know we just saw Josh Sargent in his last game in Norwich uh, get that that goal that will uh, let's let's say he meant to do that on that first one. But then, man, immediately after that goal, he he attacks a header in, in a way that I haven't seen Josh Sargent attack a ball in the air in a long time. That confidence was just filling uh, his body. And I'm excited to see what he can do whenever he gets back. Ricardo Pepe is going to be able to have a few months stretch to uh, get in with Augsburg uh, before this next window. We'll, we'll get a conclusion uh, in the January transfer window, which might affect Christian Pulisic, might affect Gio Reyna, might affect um, Tyler Adams. It's going to affect a bunch of players on this national team. By the time March rolls around, uh, the the memories of this Canada game will be, I mean, they'll still be there, but there's going to be an all new excitement. All there's, It's going to be a lot of different things happening for this national team. Uh, what are you looking forward to as we head into this March window, considering how much time we have in between? 
First and foremost, for the U.S., don't leave it to the final game, which is going to be in Costa Rica. That will put me in the asylum, so let's not <laughs> do that. You make a great point about a lot of guys we can lean into that you know, Josh Sargent shouldn't have been part of this national team. He wasn't performing. Now, if he can get some momentum going, playing in a different position there where he got, he was a little, he was in the, he was the right side of the midfield. Maybe that's an option for him. We have a lot of guys developing. You have Joe Scally still in there, and he is going to grow. Kevin Paredes making this incredible move. Is, is Austin Trusty? Is he American? He's made a move to Arsenal. I don't know if he's, he might be Canadian or for some. I'll have to check. We'll, we'll say I that. For he's time. American. It's at least in some part. Okay. <laughs> he's featured for national teams yeah. for American national yeah. teams. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I drew a blank there, but then these this pipeline continues to churn. Daryl DK, although he's injured, is someone who could be leaned into at that point. Hopefully he's back by then. We have options. When you have that many guys, the law of averages say a couple of them will step up, which has already happened for the U.S. team. When you look at Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, Gianluca Busio is another one who's going to be able to come in there. Tanner Tesman, who knows? There's a variety of different players that could come into, into view for this U.S. team. Gio Reyna is exactly what the U.S. needs right now. His skill set will unlock defenses. So, again, the U.S. should be able to get these results without Gio Reyna. They're that talented. But he would be just a, a breath of fresh air, to a, a refreshing glass of water if he can come into, or maybe something stronger, to come back into this lineup and make, make an impression. Going into those final games, I feel more confident based on what I've seen from Mexico that the U.S. could get something out of that. And that would really put Mexico into a, a more dire situation. Mexico have issues and their talent, they're not playing well and their talent doesn't match up with the U.S. So I, I feel better than this Canada result because Canada have proven to be the bull of the woods right now in CONCACAF. Let them enjoy that. We should have gotten a result, some sort of result. We didn't. You move along. The whole story about getting uh, results in in CONCACAF rings true for the U.S. You want to see them do better as a visitor here, and they'll get two shots at it. So I think that the Mexico game could provide uh, could provide some positivity, and then the Panama game is going to be huge either way. But that's a game. It's going to be in Orlando that the U.S. should come out and thump them. I think the last cycle they played Panama, who eventually did qualify in Orlando and won comfortably uh i think Polisic and o josie altador scored so it it it's going to be nerve-wracking you wish you would be in a better position going into that final window than the u.s are probably going to be and it's not just because of them even if they win the honduras game because panama continues to not go anywhere costa rica's gotten all uppity and now moved up into that spot but they're a little too far back you, you have the, the <laughs> i hate to think if they finished fourth but at least you have a second yeah. shot when they do it. So worst case scenario, that'll be the place, but the U S will figure things out. It's, this was a, a trickier window than that, but if you can get, if you get four points in that next window, you'll make it and you'll probably make it by two or three points as long as you beat Panama. Cause that's the team in pursuit. We can't really hope that Gio Reyna, it's just been such a long term injury. Uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be a bonus if he's there. But to assume that he might be there and that he can play a significant role after this long layoff, we have to pump the brakes a little bit. But it could happen. And if it happens, great. But we should assume that it's going to be this group, maybe a couple other guys that emerge. And Josh Sargent's a great shot because he seems the guy 
one game, small sample size, that's going to put his hand up and say, I can help out in a position the U.S. needs a lot of help in. Yeah, that striker position is is definitely something to worry about. I, I remember in the in the comments section after the game, a lot of people kept saying that uh, uh, we need we need a great striker. We need a great striker to come in, and I kept asking like, who who is this great striker that you guys are talking about? And you like, can't put that on he? Pepe. He's 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 a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got like, a nineteen year old. Who is this guy? Where where is he? We don't have it. I'd love to play him. I, I don't know. Is is like is maybe have to naturalize. Available? Maybe have to like, naturalize somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Nice American I mean, early girl. Holland, like, you know, who who wants to be uh, this great American striker? Uh, yeah. Hey, now, now to pull back, I, by the way, while you were saying that, you mentioned the playoff. And yes, the worst case scenario right now for the U.S. is probably a fourth place finish and it would be the playoff. But I did think to myself about uh, the U.S. in that playoff and my my hands started sweating and I went to a dark place and I don't want to think about that. And you're right. I don't want to think. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I breathed (laughs) that into existence. We really shouldn't. We shouldn't be talking in these terms. We really should not. The U.S. should be going into this next window with a four four or five point gap and go, Okay, (laughs) let's start. Let's start seeing what we're going to do. Let's start thinking World Cup. Let's think of guys that might be able to make the roster that aren't aren't on this team because there will be a couple. And mm-hmm. if and when the if no when the U.S. make the World Cup, because of their position in this FIFA ranking, they'll, they'll probably get a good draw and they could get off on a good run. All these yeah. all these players had to get some experience. They're still in the early stages. They're in an embryonic stage of their international play. Many playing in their first uh, major World Cup qualifier or first camp you're blooding a lot of these guys along the way you can't expect them to just click the fingers and hit it the consistency though is needs to be uh brought into play they have to go from game to game home and away and look at least the semblance of the team which is what Canada's doing that's what you mm-hmm. have to reach out to do yeah, and you you brought up a lot of great points. I wanted to talk about the World Cup here. You mentioned uh, that the U.S. does have an opportunity to go into Azteca and get a result because the U.S. has matched up really well against Mexico for a long time. And, and that speaks to a larger point here, which is how is the U.S. actually going to perform if they make it to the World Cup? A, a lot of people have pointed to these um, to these results against Canada and some of the, the, the not-so-great results uh, throughout World Cup qualifying as an indication that the U.S. is going to struggle. But I've I've looked at the games against Mexico as more of an indication of how the U.S. is going to do, because I feel like if the U.S. is playing against squads that are comfortable in possession and are comfortable going at us and are going to make it an open game, that's where this team shines whenever they can sit back and attack a, a defense that's a little bit stretched. We don't see a lot of that in World Cup qualifying, and that's been the big issue because it's always been for the U.S., there's two different U.S. teams. Uh, even when we had the great Landon Donovan teams, it was two different U.S. teams. There's qualifying team where you're going to have a lot more of the ball and attacking teams that are bunkered, and then there's the World Cup team where you got better competition, and you're the team that's bunkering, you're the team that's sitting back, and you're the team that's going forward. But what are your thoughts on uh, on the U.S. if they actually make the World Cup? Do you think that we're going to be excited with what we see? You, how are you feeling about this particular U.S. squad potentially making it uh, to Qatar? When they make it, the odds are <laughs> positioned for them to get a good draw because of their FIFA ranking, which is going to take a part of it. We can criticize the FIFA rankings, but the reality is they're going to be leaned into heavily to pot these teams and see yep. where they go. You made that great analogy about Brazil. They're going to get a top eight team in the world, maybe Brazil. From what I was 
reading. You don't want Brazil or Argentina in the same pot as the U.S. because you're probably going to get a European team in there uh, that's going to be competitive out of that third pot. I don't know who that would be. Maybe Serbia. But these are teams, like you said, are going to want to play a little bit. And they're going to be like looking at the U.S. and go, who are these guys? So it could make it dangerous because we're not a known quantity. But we have the talent. And it'll be very liberating for these teams. When the World Cup rolls around, I, I am pretty confident the U.S. will make the round of 16. Then it's a matter of the, the 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 rollout of the draw and could make a quarterfinal for those exact same reasons that you were talking about Brazil because they have the talent to run with these guys. And I would set that as the uh, the goal, maybe a, a final eight, which is very realistic. And this is such an important stretch for all of us, Sam, because we know if the U.S. does well, people will listen to our YouTube more often. Uh, <laughs> we'll get sponsors coming up to us uh, uh, unsolicited going, hey, I want – and we this will all grow. And, the, and, and reaching out to where we want to see is this soccer community in this country, which is still very niched and very small, it will start to grow. Will it grow to the level of the NFL? No, or baseball. But it'll – they like success. And World Cup success is the success we're talking about. And I think people are going to be really into following our players overseas because it's fun. We get up at 5 a.m. to watch Augsburg games for crying out loud. Maybe mm. not on the East Coast, but that's what I got to no. do. <laughs> My weekends are a disaster. Gotta, yeah. I'm really into naps right now because I have to get up so early. But we do it. And when it's good like that, Josh, well, why are we going to watch Watford versus Norwich? People in England aren't watching that game. We're watching it, and then it becomes front-page news for the soccer crowd. I enjoy that. I think a lot of Americans will enjoy that, too. But World Cup success will set that because of the World Cup in 2026. So if we can walk off the ledge a little bit here, U.S. will make the World Cup. And when they get there, they will perform. Yeah, you bring up some great points. Uh, the 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 U.S. soccer community is so small. I mean, in the United States, you have the soccer community, which is actually pretty big. It's let me get in frame. It's actually pretty big. The playing but community, the U.S. Playing soccer. Playing. Yes. No, the soccer fans. Oh, sorry, I soccer fans, yeah, 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 supporters of Liga yeah. MX, supporters of uh of uh the EPL. So you know, it's it's a pretty big pool. Uh, the soccer just became the fourth most popular sport in the United States. So it's a pretty big pool. Uh, but whenever it comes to actual U.S. soccer fans, that starts to get smaller. But whenever the World Cup comes around, that pool grows exponentially. And soccer becomes uh, not just a niche sport, but a, a, a general sport in the United States. And whenever that comes, man, the eyes of the, of, the, of the United States sports market are upon you. And that's a significant market. And that has launched... Uh, the careers of, of many of American in the past. Alexi Lawless always talks about the 1994 World Cup launching his entire career. Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey, these guys became stars because of that. Now, at the moment, we have one star on our squad, and that's Christian Pulisic. He's the only guy that's really notable outside of the U.S. soccer community. But we have a lot of stars on this team. I mean, Weston McKinney, when he gets introduced to the greater United States sports market, they're going to fall in love with him. He's oh, going to yeah. be a, a massive guy. Uh, Tyler Adams, another one. I mean, Gio Reyna. I mean, these guys, the, the, America's going to fall in love with these kids once they get to know them. But it's going to take getting to that World Cup to get to know them. And I'm excited that uh, of what's going to come after that, the generation that it's going to inspire, uh, because soccer is just on the cusp in this country. of uh, it, It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. But I think the, the, the World Cup's going to be a catalyst to kind of 
really put it over the edge and, and really get things moving. It's already moving quickly. It's already moving in a lot of positive directions, but just another kick in the butt to really uh, <laughs> ramp it up and, and and pass up baseball as the third most popular sport in this country. <laughs> baseball, baseball's number three. The, the world might be fans of the U.S. team. You mentioned Pulisic, but there's so many guys on the cusp like Weston. If Ricardo Pepe goes to Augsburg and scores 15 goals and Byron brings him in, and it's not out of the realm of possibility because they had their eyes on him. But if you use three or four guys that are doing well in Europe, the world will look at these teams and, and say, I like watching the U.S. team. So when they're playing, I want to watch them because they're enjoyable. It's set. They're not there yet by any means. But we've never seen anything like this, especially when they perform in Europe. So it's twofold in Europe. A, they get to play and train with some of the best clubs in the world and best managers yeah. in the world. But they are in the eyes of the world. And uh, that is... Uh, we can we can determine how good these guys are once they perform. And what Christian Pulisic did and what Weston McKinney's doing at Juventus shows that they can do that. And that was Serginho Dest to a lesser degree, even though he's kind of fallen off a oh, bit. Serginho Dest is the the number two most followed player socially on this national team behind Christian Pulisic. I remember whenever the U.S. went to El Salvador, and we forget about uh, the El Salvadorian it's- fans. We're like freaking out because the Serginho yeah. Dest is here and, you know, Barcelona is massive in Hispanic speaking nations. I'm sure whenever uh, the U.S. goes to uh, Mexico and Azteca, if Serginho Dest is, is playing, uh, everybody in that building, you're going to know who Serginho Dest is. At, at AFCON, this is, a, a, I think, a perfect example. Riyad Mahrez, who's from Algeria, gets off the bus and it's in Cameroon and the Cameroonian public, thousands of them go crazy because he plays for Manchester City. And they see him every week. That can happen. And the El Salvador uh, situation is could happen in, in the Caribbean. It could happen somewhere else in Central America. It could happen in Europe because they, they love this guy because he becomes their favorite player. So yeah. this is unique with what we're seeing. I, I, I wanted to add one more thing about the U.S. I'll make it really brief, Sam, about what they didn't do against Canada. And Watke, Chris Russell, had a video about how nice they are. There was that video when I saw it live of this Canadian substitute coming way too close to Weston McKinney's about to do a throw-in. Yeah. And I'm like, you elbow that guy out of there. Get the heck out of we've got to, we've got to get a spine here in these situations and push back because Canada kept doing that because they could. The referee played a loose game, so they took even more space. And if they can take that space, they're gonna take it. And we gotta take it back. Yeah, that's that next level analysis. You know, this remember how Jurgen Klinsmann always talked about nastiness. This team really does lack nastiness. There's a lot of really no. nice players. Uh guys like uh Kellen Acosta, that's a nasty dude. I think Gio Reyna is a nasty dude, but we haven't seen him feature much for this team. We need uh, a little so, yeah. nasty. We need a we little, need little nasty. nasty. A lot of nasty. where it's gonna come from, but we need some nasty. Now uh Max, I think that's all I got for you today. This has been a, 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 as much a, a therapy session for me as, as, as a discussion. I think that this is going to turn the page for me as I look towards Wednesday and forget about Sunday as much as I can. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find your content and what, you, what you've been up to lately. Well, I've been thrilled with the, the soccer OG, and I've, I've kind of done what you guys are doing with uh, YouTube. It's, it's so therapeutic and enlightening to engage with fans and, you know, talk to them in, in the comment section. So check out the soccer OG. It's under my name, Max Bretos on YouTube and also the soccer OG podcast where all podcasts are available. Also be work with LAFC, which uh, have 
but filled me with so much joy and and passion to be back into this beautiful game, which has always been there for me. And I'm so glad to be back. And I will finish by saying it is awesome to see guys like you, Sam, having these platforms fair, uh, entertaining and informative with a great backdrop, by the way, by the way, it looks good. <laughs> But really good production. So this is you pat yourself on the back and to your audience, you're 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 in good shoes here. I tune in when I can. I tune into a lot of the guys on YouTube. It's important because I know I'm a lot older than everyone here to see what the young fan base wants, what they look at. And you guys are that connection. And I can't tell you how important that is for growing this sport in this country. So thanks to what to everything you do as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you and, and guys like yourself who uh, for a long time have been, I mean, carrying the sport in this country from a from a media level. Uh, I can remember so often growing up watching uh, Sports Center or something like that, not to pick on Sports Center, but there's there were a lot of anchors that just didn't really care about the sport and would mispronounce players' names and mispronounce Real Madrid or, or whatever else, you know. And uh, I appreciate guys like you who actually uh, cared about the sport and helped it grow in this country. Now, we tried. Max- <laughs> we tried. We tried. It's still there. Yeah. We try to clean it up, but it is what it is. Now, Max, I'll tell you one thing that uh, uh, that I always do whenever I do the exit is I uh, ask people to leave a comment in Spanish so I can practice my Spanish. I've been practicing my Spanish a lot. I'm planning on doing a video that's all in Spanish, which is it's, it's been difficult, but I'm actually writing it right now. I'll get to it after the window. Uh, can you do me a favor and can you ask everyone out there to leave me a comment in Spanish? Por favor, al audiencia que está aquí para Yank Report, en parte de Sam, un show fenomenal que me gusta ver cada vida. Dejo un comento aquí en el, en el, en el comment section. Dejo un comento en español para él poder leer y aprender y hablar español un día para que él, este pueda ser bilingual. That's amazing, man. It, whenever I say it in Spanish, it is very short. Yours is very long. I actually dated a, a Hispanic girl uh, for a Where while, and I would from? laugh whenever she was from Colombia. But okay. whenever oh, we nice would job. call, like, <laughs> whenever we they would call, like, a Colombian Mexican speak, restaurant, Colombians speak yeah. the best Spanish out of all of us. Yeah. Facts. They do. Whatever she, we would call like a Mexican restaurant and, and she would place an order for us and she would do it in Spanish. I mean, it would take her like two minutes before she even got to the food part. Like, what are you, who, what is, what are you saying? What, why do you need to talk so much to these people? She's anyway. probably like my wife asking, she's probably asking, is this good? Is this good? And you're like, just order. You know what you want to order. Get the guy off the phone. Or maybe the guy was from Columbia as well. You never know. How did it take that long? Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Subscribe, hit the like button, all that good stuff. There's uh, some members-only content if you want to become a member. Shout out to uh, Mike Irish and uh, Manuel Oliveras, my Tier 2 2 members. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching. For Max Bretos, my name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.